Welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. In today's episode, you'll be hearing from Bishop Scotty Scott as he brings a message titled, Be Mine, from the He's Into You series. We hope you enjoy. Ezekiel 60, verse 4, And as for thy nativity, in the day thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Hit your neighbor and say, would you please pass the salt? None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live. Somebody shout, live. Live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live. Shout, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. This is where we're getting today. And thou hast increased and waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned and thine hair is grown, whereas thou was naked and bare. Now when I pass by thee, somebody say that was then. This is now. Now when I pass by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Hit your neighbor and say, I'm his baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to start do part two of be mine. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's already in this room, miracles that are happening, people that are already feeling change, being delivered, being freed, being healed in this place. God, today, don't let one person leave here without being totally, completely changed by your presence and by your voice in their life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm his baby. Something that I believe is very important and we, we touched on last week is to understand the difference between being saved and being healed. Amen? That when you're saved, you're saved. You can't be any more saved than you are the moment you get saved. But you can be saved and still have areas in your mind, your memories, your affections, your thought life that need to be healed. That's what causes people who are saved to do wrong things. Amen? It's because, it's because, it's because just because you're saved doesn't make you perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know. I know you so holy that you just so holy that you don't even know why you're still on earth because you should just be taken to heaven by now. Pitch him real quick. Pitch him real quick. Pitch him, pitch him, pitch him. And say, look, you still got some flesh on you. Yeah, as long as you're wrestling with that, you got some stuff. Amen? And just because you're saved doesn't make you perfect because, because your spirit is saved, your mind, your soul is being saved, and your body will be saved. We, we will take on incorruption. That, that is corruptible. But it's a regenerative process. And it starts from the inside out. That means the moment you got saved, you can't get more saved than you are the moment you get saved. So when you're saved 30 years from now, you won't be any more saved than you were the moment you came down to an altar. 
It's awful. But the thing is, is that your mind, your soul, is being saved. That's why he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why he says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's because what God speaks in your spirit is what he says. But what you say in here is what you say. And sometimes you can't see in your life what God said because he can't get past what you said. Your greatest enemy is your enemy in the me. Oh, Lord. That's why the worst thing that God could ever do is give you up to you. Because I've done more damage to me than any enemy has ever done to me. Oh, we don't want to get real in here. But, but not you. I know you'd make no mistake. But just the bishop, pray for him. Because, because I've done more damage to me that, was, that I thought was irreversible than any enemy ever did to me. Left to myself, I am a mess. Can I get it? Amen. Left, left, left to myself, I will self-destruct. And I just thank God that he never gave me me. I want to thank him that he still wrestles me. I want to thank him that he still strives with me. The Bible says, God will not strive with man always. Romans 1 says, and I gave them up to themselves. The scariest thing that could ever happen to you is for you to be in the middle of doing wrong and it not even feel wrong anymore. Oh, is anybody here? Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at me. Anybody getting me? Why, why, the, the reason why I'm saying that is because like, we've, re, we've raised a generation now that calls right wrong and calls wrong right. And will fight you with it with conviction. Like if you call their, their wrong, wrong, they will come after you with every form of media. Oh, Lord have mercy. Because you're not calling them wrong. You're calling what they did wrong. But the moment you call what they did wrong, they think you're calling them wrong. But God doesn't call you wrong. He calls what you did wrong. See, you got to be able to separate what you did from who you are. But the problem is we've raised a generation now that can do wrong. They, 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 can, do so, they can do everything but what's in the Bible on Friday and Saturday and show up to service on Sunday and be like, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for letting me twerk last night. Thank you for healing my back because I threw it out in the process. <laughs> and think it's okay because after all, it's grace. Is anybody with me right now? After all, it's, it doesn't matter because we're all imperfect and we all got our own struggles. And who are you to judge me? Let's just love everybody. And we need to love everybody. But God loves you enough to find you where you are. And you will never be so far from him that he can't find you. But he loves you enough that when he finds you, he finds you like where you are, 
but won't leave you where you are. He loves you enough to bring you out of the mess he found you in. Oh, God. Hit your neighbor say, come on out of that mess. Come on out of that mess. Come on. Come on out of that mess. Come on out of the thing that's robbing you from your real purpose, from your real destiny, from being who you really could be. And in our text last week, we dealt with the fact that in Ezekiel, he, he found us. He found us. When we couldn't find ourselves, he found us. He came looking for us. He said, when you were born, you had been born. You've been born through the birth canal of ministry, but nobody cared for you. He said, as for your nativity in the day you were born, no one washed you, no one salted you, no one swaddled you, and no one cut your cord. That means you were born as a baby, and nobody even washed the afterbirth off you. And being born, you don't come clean. Can I get it, man? Amen. I don't have to go through last week again, do I? I don't, have to, I don't have to talk down about my babies anymore, do I? Like the fact that they look like aliens. And... <laughs> Covered in all that junk, man. <laughs> hey, God, the memories. And because they don't come looking like the Gerber babies. Church has been trying to birth the Gerber babies. They don't come here looking like that. Whatever pain they go through, trauma they go through, hurt they go through, they still got some of it on them when they get here. So if you're not prepared to wash them, then leave them alone. Not only did they not wash you, the Bible says you can be made clean by the washing of water by a word from God. See, instead of judging their mess, Clean it. Instead of judging it, speak something over it that frees them from it. Oh. Nobody washed you. Nobody salted you. And we dealt with the fact that salt was using the baby in the olden days because of the condition of their skin. They would pack the baby in salt. It would heal the skin, but also toughen the skin so you could handle it without bruising it easily. And we dealt with the fact that most people are too sensitive today. Mm. Because nobody's been salted. See, this is the only generation I've ever seen that screams tolerance while being sensitive. Like, you have to have that choice, you know. You can't say tolerance and then be intolerant. You mean tolerance with your issue. Oh, you mean if somebody's issue is op point of view is opposite of you, you don't have to be tolerant. You can call it the devil. Oh. How can you be that sensitive? I've never seen such a level of sensitivity. You don't think so? You can put something up on social media right now that ain't even, it's not even, it's not even controversial, and someone will make it controversial. Can I get amen in here? Like, oh, I saw what you put on social media. I don't know if you really meant to say this, but this is how I took it. Hit your neighbor, say, grow up. Hit your neighbor and say, pass the salt. Yeah, salt. You, you, don't go nowhere. I've never, seen, I've never seen so many people that come to church conditional. 
that, co- that come into churches like, if he says one thing I don't like, I am never going back there again. Well, you'll be doing what you always do, which is go to your, you know, from church to church to church to church, like it's a smorgasbord, like you're at Golden Corral. Golden Corral, <laughs> never mind. Hallelujah. The bishop does have discretion. But when people come to church like it's, like it's pick and choose. Like, what, ch- what church do I want to go to this week? Oh, I feel like I need to get my praise on. They got a great praise band. Let's go over there. Oh, that word. I need that word. I need something. Let that joke go over there. He got the word. Let's go. And you never get rooted. And you never get grounded. And you just wait to be offended. You wait for somebody to say something you don't like. And they're judging me. And just so you can stay uncommitted. But you don't grow without being planted. That's why he said, don't be blown by every wind of doctrine. That means every time you're waiting for a tickling ear, you're waiting for somebody just to say what you like, and you're hunting down what you like, you're never going to get what you need. Because rarely is what you want what you need. That's why you got to have a spoonful of sugar <laughs> to help the medicine go down in the most delightful way. And nobody's been soft. And no, he said, no man swaddled you. That means you were born naked, and being born naked is normal, but once you're born, you ought to be covered. The first thing that the enemy tries to steal from you when he starts to attack you is your covering. And we've lost so much perspective about covering now, we think that all we need is Jesus and nobody else. But God has placed you in the body and put a covering over you. Mm. The first thing that they describe Jesus as, after they tell you where he was born, the description is, he was born in a manger, but the first description and characteristic about him is that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, because it's never in order for the body of Christ to be in the earth and uncovered. Even while he was hanging on the cross, they stripped him of his clothes, but they didn't strip his covering because he was still covered in his own blood. We've reached a generation that feels like, I don't need my own covering. My covering is Jesus. No, the devil is a liar. You need a spiritual authority in your life. You need something that you're submitted to underneath of, something that you don't hold accountable, but it holds you accountable. Oh, it's quiet now. See, when we raise a generation that thinks that their job is to hold the leadership of their church accountable. That's like me, that's like, that's like Ava and Ellie, my children, four and two-year-old, trying to hold me accountable, tell me what to do. They do it sometimes. They don't do it to mom as nearly as much, because mom knows how to um, <clears throat> lay holy hands. Sometimes without wrath <laughs> or doubting. 
But, but why? Because that's not their job. Their job's not to tell me what car I should have. Their job's, their job's not to tell me what they think we ought to do this, where we should go to dinner. No, you go to dinner where I go to dinner. <laughs> I know it's different today. But, but, but we raise a generation of, listen to me, anointing flows with authority. That means wherever the authority is, is where the anointing flows from. Anointing flows down. Anointing doesn't flow up. It's oil. That means you can't receive anointing where you don't have authority from. Until you submit to the authority, you can't receive the anointing. Because authority has to flow down. Huh. It doesn't flow up. So if you think, if you, if, if you think that, the, that the church ought to hold leadership accountable, then the church has the authority over the leadership, and the oil ain't flowing up. It has to come down. That ain't this church. This church is powerful. This church supports. This church submits. This church is amazing. I'm just talking about the body of Christ as a whole because the body of Christ is plagued with people who, in, in churches that, that think that their job is to watch, be the watch guard for the church. Where's this go? How's this go? Where's this happening? What's that happening? No, that's not your job. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to submit and pray to God that God will deal with the authority because you can't hold them accountable nearly as well as God can. <laughs> oh, yeah. If God breaks out the belt you don't want to be around hit your never say sit down and get some salt on you don't run just because they're, they're they're asking you to grow don't run just because they're asking to correct some things in your life whom the lord loveth he corrects if he didn't correct you he doesn't love you it is the sign that you are loved that he corrects you because if he didn't care, he wouldn't worry about what you did. The fact that he's correcting you means I'm bringing you back into alignment with your destiny that this thing in your life has gotten you away from because I believe in you too much to let this thing keep you from where and who I called you to be. Oh. And so... He said, nobody washed you, salted you, swallowed you. No man even cut your cord. Cut your cord, that means you were still being fed through things that you should have been freed from. Still tied to things that you should have lived past. Still reliving a childhood that should already be over. <sighs> and guilt and shame holding you. But who the sun sets free. It's free indeed. Touch your neighbor say, I cut the cord. I'm cutting the cord. That that is behind me. I'm forgetting those things that are behind me and reaching toward that that is before me. And so we find ourselves in this place where he says, I found you. This was a baby. Born. Covered in afterbirth. Bruised. Bloody. Naked. Tangled in an umbilical cord that it was still bound to. God says, that's what you looked like when he found you. He said, you were a mess. And I love it because he came to where you were when you couldn't come to him, and you were out in the open field for everybody to see your pain, but when everybody else walked away, he came chasing you. Oh, hit your neighbor say, he found me. And he found me with the devil over top of me saying, die. 
He found me with the devil over top of me saying, look at the mess of your life. Anybody ever been there before? Where you, it wasn't enough that you were in the mess. The enemy was just trying to use the mess to try to get you to do harm to yourself because you felt hopeless in the mess. And now you feel like quitting and you feel like giving up. And the devil said, die. But when the devil said, die, here came Jesus into your field. Oh, hit your neighbor and say, here come Jesus. And when he got over top of you, he looked the devil in the eye and said, you say die, but I say live. Oh, shake somebody next to you and say, live, live, baby, live, live. I know you're hurting, but live. I know you're depressed, but live. I know you've been through hell and high water this weekend, but live. Don't quit now. God is not done with you. And he got over top of you, put his hands over top of your hands and his mouth over top of your mouth, and he began to, when you were choking on your own blood, you couldn't even breathe on your own. You were gasping. He said, I'll breathe for you. And he began to resuscitate you. He began to do Holy Ghost CPR. And he brought you back to life. And from that moment forward, he raised you. Man, see, it's like this. I get here and I could quit. Because that's enough. But ever since that moment that he raised you, you've been praising him. You were praising him for what he did for you. You were praising him for what he brought you through. Because watch this. Put, put that next verse up. Put, probably verse 5 or 6. And, and, it says, and it says, and after he raised you, and when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thy own blood, I said, live. Next verse. And I caused it, here he is. He said, from the moment I raised you, I didn't just save you. I saved you, and then thou hast multiplied as the bud of the field. That means once he saves you, he grows you. <laughs> thou hast multiplied as the bud of the field. That means he saved you and then grew you, and then thou hast increased and waxed great. Thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned. You know what breast being fashioned means? It means you came to maturity. It means that once he saves you, he grows you. And once he grows you, he matures you. Ah! And once he matures you, thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou was naked and bare. You know what hair is symbolic of? Hair is symbolic of the glory of God. Hair is symbolic of the anointing. That's why when she, when she cut Samson's hair, it took his strength because his hair was his covenant because he had a Nazarite vow and the moment he she took his hair, she took his power and took his anointing and took his glory. And that's why he said, thy, thy hair is grown whereas thou was naked and bare. That means once I saved you and grew you and mature you, I begin to raise the anointing on you. I begin to show you your destiny, your anointing and your purpose. Oh. It's amazing to me what's happening in this church over the last two months where people are discovering there's gifts. There's people prophesying in this room that didn't even know what prophecy was. There are people that are receiving words of knowledge and they're getting hit with it and they're trying to come to me saying, this is just, the guy was speaking in tongues and then God said this to me while he was speaking in tongues. What does that mean? And God's putting gifts and releasing anointings on people. Touch your neighbor say, it's about to come on you. It's about to come. Yeah, your hair is about to grow again. Mine, I don't know. But there's a glory coming. 
There's a glory coming. I don't know who this is for, but God didn't just save you just to save you. God didn't just save you just for you to look pretty. God saved you to grow you. Let him grow you. Let him develop you. And then he grew you to mature you. Let God make you mature. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's time for us to not come to church for games no more. It's time for us to come to church and get down to business. Oh, God. He said, and then he said, in thine hair is grown. He said, I begin to put my anointing on you where you were naked and bare. Bring this verse. And ever since that moment that he saved you and grew you, matured you, anointed you, you've been praising him for what he did for you. And that's powerful. Praise is powerful because praise gets you in the door. But praise is all about you. Praise is about what he does. Praise is about what he's done for you. Like, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for giving me food on my table and clothes on my back. And thank you for my family. Thank you for what you provided. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for healing the cancer. Thank you for what you've done for me. And that's powerful. But praise is about what he does. And ever since he saved you, you've been praising him for what he did. But the problem is if, if your relationship stays at a praise level, then it's always conditional about what he's done. That means my relationship with him is about him doing things. That means he's got to do something for me in order for me to stay in relationship with him. And if I feel like he's not doing what I want him to do for me, then my relationship is no longer what it was with him. And that's what I don't have time. That's why praise can happen in the outer court. Because, because praise is for natural things. Praise is for things that are done out in the natural. Out in the natural light, in the pray, in the outer court, there's sunlight. You're not even under the tent yet. You're out in the courts. You're out there with sunlight and natural light. Why? Is because that's praising God for natural things. That's anybody can praise Him. Can I tell you? Anybody can praise. Can I tell you? You don't have to be saved to praise God. No, that's why. That's why all them jokers talking about talking about all the stuff they do in their in their lyrics and their rap song can get up on Grammy night, stand up there with the Grammy and say, "I like to give honor and God honor unto God." Like they want to give honor unto God for talking about what they did to that girl last night. But the reason they can do that and the reason they can praise is because you don't have to be saved to praise. Can I tell you, you don't even have to be human to praise. A dog can praise. A cat can praise. The cow mm, can praise. Let everything that ha if it's breathing, it can praise. In fact, it don't even have to be alive to praise him. He said, if you don't praise me, Oh, I can make a rock. Oh, my goodness. I can make a rock cry out. Oh. That means, that means praise is all superficial. 
praise is conditional. Praise is about him doing. Uh, touch your neighbor and say, it's time to go to another level. It's time to go. See, that's the difference between praise and worship. Because praise is about what he does, but worship is about who he is. Oh! Worship is not about him doing another thing. See, you can always tell the difference between a praiser and a worshiper. You can tell it in their prayer life. Because when a praiser gets down to pray, a praiser gets down to pray and they break out their to-do list for God. Then all of a sudden they get down and they say, Lord, I thank you today that you're going to make a way when it's not when one. I thank you that Johnny's going to be healed today. Thank you for saving my son Johnny. You know Johnny, God. You know Johnny, the one that's all messed up right now. I thank you that you're going to save him. Thank you, God, that the lump that's on my side, you're going to heal that thing and drop it off the side. I thank you, God, that you're going to make that go away. I thank you for doing that for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Because they come to God like he's a fire escape. They come to God with their issues because they think that's what God's for. They come with their to-do list like he's Santa Claus. Because it's about what he does, and that's what a praiser does. A praiser comes down and goes, thank you for what you're doing because it's about what he does. But when a worshiper gets down to praise, a worshiper, oh, Lord, I got to get on tuck for this. A worshiper, a worshiper. I'm about to bust out my schmedium. <laughs> and and <laughs> he's, help me if I have a malfunction. <laughs> he said, a worshiper, when a worshiper gets down to pray, a worshiper don't even have a list. A worshiper says, God, I didn't come here to tell you what to do. A worshiper gets down and says, God, if you don't do another thing, if you don't make another way, if you don't heal another thing, I still came today to tell you you're wonderful. You're an awesome God. There's nobody like you. You are matchless in all your glory. God, you are the ancient of days. You are altogether lovely. You are altogether perfect. You are my joy. You are my peace. You are my everything and my all in all. And I don't need you to do another thing. I just want you for who you are. A worshiper can have the worst week of their life and still be here on Sunday. A worshiper is saying, God, this is who you are. See, it's worthship. It's worthship. It's where you tell God what he's worth. That's why you gotta be, that's why you gotta do it in the spirit. Because you can't worship in the flesh. Because praise, you can praise in the flesh, but when you worship, you've got to worship in the spirit and in truth. Because it's telling God what he's worth. Tell me, what's God worth? Yeah, give me that word in your vocabulary that equals the worth of God. Tell me the value of God. See, there's nothing in our human ability that can comprehend the worth of God. That's why you can't do it in you. You have to do it in the spirit. 
Because the only one that knows the worth of God is God himself. That's why you have to worship him in spirit. And by you worshiping, it's letting the Holy Spirit tell God back to God how much he's worth through you. It's in worship where you exchange who's with God. And you tell God who he is. God, you're lovely. God, you're awesome. God, you are omnipotent. God, there's no God like you. God, you are a good father. God, you are the only thing that matters in the world. And you're the center of everything good in my life. God, you are all in all and everything. You are all powerful and all authority comes from you. There's nothing greater than you or beside you. You are matchless, God. And all of a sudden, you tell God who he is, and then you start walking away. And God says, hold on. No, no, no. This is where we exchange who's. Don't think you can come up in my presence and out who me. He said, you told me who, you, who I am. Now let me tell you who you are. Ha! You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed when you come. You're blessed when you go. You're blessed when you rise up and you're blessed when you lay down. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God. You are. You are. Look at never say, now he's talking to you. Now he's talking to you. Yeah, that's what God says about you. That's what God calls you. And suddenly now in worship, you wrap yourself around him. And he wraps himself around you. He says, now when I pass by you, in verse 8. Tell somebody, say, that was then. This is now. He said, now when I pass by you, it was a time of love. He said, the first time I passed by you, you just wanted a savior. The first time I passed by you, you were in such a mess. You just wanted out of the mess and you didn't care how you got out. You didn't care if it came by boat, by plane, by car, by train. <laughs> just get me out of here. And he came and saved you from what you couldn't get up yourself. And all you've known him for from that point is a savior. He saved me. He does for me. He did for me what nothing else could do. And he said, but he said, now when you I pass by you, you didn't just want me for what I could do for you. Now you wanted me for who I am. And now was the time of love. You didn't just want me anymore to be a savior. Now you wanted me to be the lover of your soul. Now you didn't care if I moved the mountain as long as I held your hand while you went over it. Because my presence meant more than my performance. Quiet in this room. You want to know why? Because God's calling somebody deeper. God's calling you back to the place where you just wanted to be in his presence. 
God's calling you back to the place where you could just linger with Him and say, God, if you're here, that's all that matters. In your presence is fullness of joy. One day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I just want to be where you are. Withdraw not thy presence from me. God, I just want to be where you are. And he said, now was the time of love. And I looked, and behold, the time of love. And he said, at this point, you didn't just want me to be a savior. You wanted me to be your husband. And I spread my skirt over you. Uh, you know what that means? It means he became your Boaz. Anybody remember Boaz? All right, Bible study time this week. Boaz, look it up. Google Boaz. <laughs> Bo Boaz. Boaz. Anybody remember Ruth? Ruth, the Moabitess. Ruth, that came from an idolatrous background. Ruth, the one that had no covenant with God, but she was connected to Naomi. Anybody remember Naomi? And she was connected to Naomi, who was in, from Israel, and when she lost her husband and Naomi's daughter, son, she got connected to Naomi and said, wherever you go, I go. And she brought Ruth back to her, with her back to Israel. And when she came back into, the, in, into Israel, she came back and was gleaning in the middle of the, out in the corners of the field because she was from an idolatrous background. She couldn't reap with all the other reapers in the middle of the field. She had to just get the leftovers, the gleanings over in the corners. Until one day, the owner of the field came into the field. Touch your neighbor and say, hi, I know the owner. Yeah, 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 I know the owner. I'm about to get the hookup. I know the owner. I, I know the owner. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, the owner comes out in the middle of the field, looks in the corner, and says, hey, who's the hot chick in the corner? It's something like that. That's Scottie's translation. And they said, that's Ruth, the Moabitess. He said, tell her to come on over into the field. Ooh. Put your name and say, come on over. It's your season to be blessed. I know you've been just in the corner. I know you've been getting the leftovers. I know everybody's been ostracized you. I know you feel like you're just getting the gleanings. But God said, come on over, for it's your time to be blessed. And he said, I want the reapers that when she comes over to take handfuls of what they reap and just drop it on purpose. Oh, Lord. Hey, God said to tell somebody he's about to give you some handfuls on purpose. He said to tell you he's about to give you some blessings you didn't even think were coming. And that night, while Boaz lay sleeping, Ruth came into his bedchamber and lay down at his side. And when she, he lay, she lay down at his side, he took his skirt and he covered her. Symbolically, he was saying, I am your shelter. I am your protector. I am your provision. Nothing gets to you without getting through me. I got you covered. I'm your husband. He said, I spread my skirt over you and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto you and entered into covenant with you. Anytime God says covenant, it means two things became one. See, God said, I don't want just to, you to know that I love you. 
I want you to wrap yourself around me and let me wrap myself around you. In fact, I want to be in you and you in me until when people see you, they see me. Until when people see me, they see you. And he said, at that point, thou becamest mine. Put your neighbor next to you and say, I'm his baby. Stand with me all over this room. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. If you liked this episode, go ahead and give it a share on your social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe and check back each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode. We'll see you next time.